a little word of warning that this podcast contains swears and use of explicit sexual language. Therefore, it is not suitable for anyone under the age of 18. And you can't even get angry. It's me, Kate Lister. I'm jumping in here. I'm talking to Mary Kane. And this is your fair dues warning. This is Smut Drop. The clue is in the name. If you're going to be offended, get out while you still can. Fair dues. You have been warned. Hello all, welcome back to The Smut Drop. This is your weekly roundup to the more eccentric side of sex and relationships from metro.co.uk. I'm Miranda Kane and on this week's show I'll be throwing you into Valentine's whether you like it or not. I'll be looking at the worst places for a first date, speaking to the fabulous Dr Kate Lister about the history, mystery, myths and legends around Valentine's himself and I'll be reading your V-Day disasters to anyone who will listen. If you like what you hear then please rate, review, subscribe wherever you get your finest of podcasts and I hope you're ready because roses are red and I've got your attention but if you don't like Valentine's then this might become a hostage situation. Hello, hello, dearest listener. Okay, let me ask you a quickie. Where was your worst date? How long did you survive before you just got out of there? I ask because Tom Bowler asked 11,000 of their players what their idea of the worst date is. And with 20% of them rated the cinema as their ultimate no-go. Now, that absolutely makes sense to me because there's no chance to talk. You can't look at them. You're just looking straight forward at the screen. And people give you really weird looks when you start to get freaky with the nacho sauce. Honestly, that nacho sauce is the only reason I go sometimes. Just spread it on me. Uh, The second worst place was McDonald's. Okay, I get it. I love a nugget, but you're trying to impress me. There's nothing romantic about fluorescent lighting, screaming kids, and when your Happy Meal only comes with a book and not a toy. What is that about? Oh, Uh, Also on the list is staying at home. That's boring. Netflix and chill. Come on, we should have left that in the last century. Going to a parent's house. (gasps) Who does that? Oh, my God. But those actually were a lot more popular than attending a funeral. What? How can going to a parent's house be more popular than going to a funeral? Uh, So where should you go instead? Well, Jessica Alderson, the CEO and co-founder of dating app So Synced, says that one of the most important aspects is to choose somewhere that enables you to talk and get to know each other. It's also important to show that you're making an effort by picking a venue that is special and memorable. I couldn't agree more. It's always nicer to have that as a lovely memory so you can talk about it later. You're making core memories with each other. Jessica advises not overthinking things, as you'll have a better idea of what the other person enjoys after this initial meetup, and you can work from there. She also added that ultimately, even if the first date venue isn't perfect, it won't matter much if you both have a good time and hit it off. Do you agree? Find out where not to take your date on Valentine's by heading over to the article on metro.co.uk. But not before you've gained some amazing talking points from this week's guest. 
ladies and gentlemen, gays and theys. As we hit Valentine's, we might be feeling the pressure to layer on the romance or to wallow in self-pity. But who says we need to do either? Here to help me look into the history of the Big V Day itself, as well as our many weird and wonderful traditions, it's your new favourite historian. She's an expert in the history of sex work, a best-selling author, hit podcaster and the nipples behind the fabulous Whores of Yore, a research archive and Twitter feed that chronicles history's favourite hookers. Please welcome Dr Kate Lister. Hello, I'm going to have that that introduction put as my epitaph, that was amazing, I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Was it the nipples behind the Whores of Yore? I didn't know where you were going with that. I was just having a flashback, thinking, "Did I have I shown my nipples at some point?" <laughs> no, but you have gotten barred off Twitter for them. But they weren't even your nipples. I did. That was back in the early days when the entire account got deleted for violating community guidelines, and I couldn't work out what I'd done. And what it was was in like the little avatar. I've got a, a painting of Nell Gwyn, seventeenth century, by Sir Peter Lely, by the way. But she had um, a, a breasticle exposed and apparently the twitter overlords just went well that is just a step too far as far as we are concerned so i've had to cover her up that was in is she still covered up or is she's she still covered up yeah no free nell Gwyn. <laughs> the amount of porn on twitter and there's people losing it over nell Gwyn's nips oh my god i can't believe she still has to keep the nipple in i'm so well she's gonna be spinning she's gonna be fuming she's gonna be absolutely she would spinning be. Brave. she would be she would so it's coming up to valentine's day and you've got this fabulous resource the horse of your so are you gonna be sat at the horse of your desk preparing to myth bust on the 14th of february <laughs> it's a weird one valentine's day isn't it it's um it's not that there's loads of myths to bust it's more like it's weirder than you think it is okay, I mean, that's, okay. that's like the history of valentine's day is like when you actually get into it it's it's really odd, like the tangled history of it. And it's one of those things where it's so old and it's so obscure. That after a while, historians kind of, they, they start to say things like, yes, the, the actual origins are obscure, which means we don't have a fucking clue what is going on. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to the beginning. Tell me what is like the earliest references to it. Okay, so Valentine's Day, the actual day called Valentine's is, is it's medieval, but we'll get to that. The idea is that it comes from St. Valentine. That as well is very complicated because there's three potential St. Valentines and we're not actually sure which one it is. They were all called St. Valentine. They were all martyred and they were all venerated as saints around about the same time. But even then, I don't know. So it gets very I mean, that's confusing. really awkward for deliveries, isn't it? <laughs> are you the Valentine? <laughs> you be, but you've been martyred though, haven't you? Yes, I have. Yeah. Okay. But it's but you you weren't expecting the Amazon delivery. No, not today. No. Okay. I'll try the next one. Down at number 72. Off we go. <laughs> It's just there's far too many St. Valentines. So that's confusing, but we'll get to that as well. But the question of like, well, how did this saint, whoever he was, who got martyred, get to be associated with romance? It's thought that it's linked to a really ancient Roman festival called the uh, the Lupercalia, which um, was a, a fertility festival. And the stuff that they did there was insane, insanely weird, right? As only like ancient Rome can do. So it's a fertility festival. So how would you celebrate fertility? Well, the first thing you need to do is sacrifice a goat obviously (laughs) that makes sense well that kind of makes sense because a goat was a symbol of lust and debauchery right like back back, and kind of still is a little bit today like you know when you see images of the devil with cloven hooves and hairy like that's the goat yes randy is a goat as well randy is a goat right they go but for some reason they also sacrificed a dog and i don't know why the dog got dragged into that i don't (laughs) don't have an answer for that 
so they get sacrificed and then priests of the loop of the lupercalia called the lupercals i think um they would anoint people's heads with the with the blood of these sacrificed animals and then they would cut up the skin of the goat and make like little whips out of them and then right then the men would run around chasing the women whipping them and apparently in the early days of this no one had any clothes on and it was supposed to like increase your fertility and and do all kinds of wonderful things and that was the lupercalia festival celebrated around the 13th to the 15th of february wow just slip off that goat skin whip me around yep. and let's just start making babies that is it's a weird origin isn't it <laughs> and and yet we've managed to translate that into hallmark cards and teddy bears i know it's such a strange straggled route so like the, yeah. the very early lupercalia um like Plutarch writes about it, it's referenced in a few really early sources, and there was some suggestion as well that like uh, like all the women would put their names into a jar, and the men would pull them out, and they'd get coupled up for that festival or maybe that year. So it was all very sexual. Like you can't. I know historians tend to be a little bit cautious. Like, well, we can't read things and modernize all the time. It's like I'm quite confident in saying that stripping off and running around bollock naked around Rome, being whipped, has <laughs> definitely got a sexual connotation to it. So you've got the Roman era, the Luper, Lupinalia, Lupercalia, Lupercalia. Um, Lupinalia sounds like a brilliant festival, though. We should do that. It does. <laughs> and then what, when does St. Valentine, when does it start becoming a bit more prevalent? When does it start becoming a bit more, well, a little less about the sacrificing of the goats, let's say. When did we lose that bit? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure. Like if there was a meeting or something and people were just like, we just need to turn this down a bit, guys. <laughs> And if there were loads of Romans being like, oh, this is just Lupercalia gone PC. They won't even let us sacrifice animals. <laughs> it's just too mainstream now. I'm not into it. No. <laughs> They're trying to cancel the Lupercalia. Um, <laughs> by the late Roman period, it's it's kind of calmed down a bit. People aren't in the nip. Okay. But it is still, it's still a fertility festival and it's still got that kind of quite saucy uh, edge to it. So people are still celebrating it. And the reason that it got mushed up with St. Valentine's Day is because like with Christmas, when the Catholic Church starts um, taking hold of, of, of the West, it doesn't want people to be ripping the knickers off each other and having a piss up and having a brilliant time. But they also really struggle to get people to stop doing it. And they were doing it at Christmas at Yule as well. So what they did in a very clever marketing ploy was they sort of put their own festivals around those times. So like, so all the, the, the pagans in Europe were having a massive piss up around the winter solstice, calling it Yule. Well, the Christians turned up and they went, oh my God, you're not even going to believe it. We've got a festival. <laughs> we've totally got a festival at the same time and everything oh my god it's amazing <laughs> and then it was this kind of like gentle conversion because they knew that they'd really struggled with with that pitch to get them to stop doing mm. that same thing at valentine's day it was like we really can't have you sacrificing goats and whipping each other through the streets mm. trying to get pregnant that's not good but we can kind of mesh it into this saint valentine's day because that's when one of the valentines was was, was martyred on the 14th of february so he kind of becomes then symbolic of romance and love even though that was definitely not any one of the three's gig when they were actually alive oh, really what were the what were the valentines actually famous for they were bishops well there's there's one from africa who gets a very brief mention and then nothing more like there was a saint valentine from africa and he was martyred and then just we don't even know what he was up to then there was two main contenders both in italy one of whom was punished by the emperor and i can't remember which emperor it was one of the roman emperors they're always punishing people and he was punished for uh, the later story was that he was punished for for trying to marry christian couples in, in the Christian faith, but that was probably added on a little bit later. And then there's stories about how St. Valentine converted the emperor's daughter to the Christian faith. And there's stories and stories and stories, but they were kind of doing similar things, which makes it even more confusing. <laughs> they, were, they were all bishops. They were all trying to convert people. They were all getting in trouble for doing it. Yeah. And then they were all martyred. So there's not much 
between them, which is why that the, the Catholic Church actually stopped the veneration of St. Valentine's. And I think it was like 1969. He's still allowed to be a saint. Yeah. But it's just a bit too confusing. So they've kind of they've sort of slightly demoted him. And now he has like an honorary position because we're not we're not really sure who he is. <laughs> he could be one of three. Take your pick. Whatever's your favourite. Well, the problem is like the actual name Valentinus in, in, in Latin, it means like worthy, powerful and loyal, I think. So it was actually a name that a lot of people had because it meant like worthy if you called yourself Valentine or Valentinus. So it, it's not that helpful in distinguishing people because a lot of people had that name, hence the problem. I think that's going to be so... I mean, that's nice to know because like we always bang on, oh, Valentine's is just a Hallmark thing. It's just, you know, it's just commercialism gone mad. But when you think about it, no, it's like these three blokes, they were all pretty much the same. They all did the same thing. It doesn't really matter. You can crack on with your Valentine's Day no matter what. It doesn't... Yes. It doesn't... We're not saying that it really matters. It's just a bit of fun to look at the, the weird myths and legends, I think. I think. I always think that if you were actually one of the St. Valentines, you got... Mm. martyred and like one of them got his head caved in with bricks and like the other like it was really nasty to, to get to be a saint and if you knew that your legacy was like cheap chocolates and and <laughs> i'd be so pissed off that wasn't their deal <laughs> at all <laughs> like they, they died to the glory of god and now we we remember him with like cheap bunches of flowers and <laughs> We think about that in two very different ways. I'm like, oh, celebrate me with cheap chocolates. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> but how does it get to like be this kind of romantic thing? Again, is a bit weird. It crops up in the Middle Ages. So we've got this like centuries where it's sort of like silent on the subject just because we don't have the sources there. It might well have been being celebrated, but we just don't have the evidence there to corroborate it if it was. But it's um, Geoffrey Chaucer, the guy who wrote The Canterbury Tales. He wrote other books, but they weren't as, as, as big a seller as, as that. And I think it was in the Parliament of Fowls. So we're talking 14th century, I think. And he writes about St. Valentine's Day. And he writes that it's the day of the year when birds choose their mates for life. And it's got like this kind of romantic connotation. But again, we're not sure. Did he just make that up? Was that just like, where, what is that? Where is that from? We don't know. It might, have, it might have just been a complete just throwaway random crap that he was trying to finish a story. And now we're all... We've all lost our shit about it centuries later. But he's like one of the first people to mention it. But he's not mentioning chocolates and cards and things like that. But it's, it's he describes it as a festival and a romantic day. So that's where that comes from. Oh, I love that. Just to maybe finish off a line, find something that rhymes. Just, oh, 14th, that'll do. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right? lovely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we get um, sort of Valentine's cards start to be sent. I forget how old the oldest one is, but it's it's surprisingly old. It's like 1600 and thin or it might be 18th century and it's still preserved. Wow. Yeah, and and it's um and we know it's a Valentine's Day card because it's signed off from your valentine. So clearly like a couple oh. of centuries later this idea that you can be someone's valentine and that you send them nice things on that particular day has come into force. What's on the card? Is it a teddy or a heart or a teddy holding a heart? All right, so the oldest surviving romantic Valentine's message that exists is, is French in origin, and it was written by Charles, the Duke of Orléans, when he was imprisoned in the Tower of London, to his wife, and it dates to 1415. Wow. So it's very early, isn't it? And he, he just, he just it's a letter, and he just signs it off as love, as love from your Valentine. Oh, trust the French. They know how to do it, don't See, they? the French don't mess around. Yeah. Let's move on to the next century. What about Shakespeare? It does crop up in Shakespeare. Again, it's not about this is a day to send cards and chocolate and things like that, but he does mention it. It, it does mention it. It crops up in Othello, where somebody describes the day as being Valentine's Day. And again, one of the characters describes themselves as being your Valentine. So, it, But, it's, but I mean, that play does end with a husband suffocating his wife. So it's less romantic. Oh. But <laughs> it's a shit Valentine's Day. <laughs> 
See singletons, there are worse things that can be than just being single on Valentine's Day. So what about weird myths? What are the myths that you hate to hear about Valentine's? The Valentine's Day that we know and, and love or hate today really takes off in the Victorian period they're the ones that well because literacy rates are better because people can produce cards and send cards you have to have the infrastructure to do that like you can't send a card if no fuck is making cards that's really difficult to do so by the time you roll around the 19th century the production method is in place paper's cheaper the postal service is there and that people can actually send cards so you start getting uh, valentine's cards being sent and they're fucking weird miranda like they are well weird (laughs) they're not like (laughs) tell me some of them are like lovely and you look at them you're like oh little fat cherubs and hearts and just like oh that's really nice and then others are just like weird like they do victorian christmas cards are also like completely bonkers there's really morbid ones Mm. and like carrots looking angry for no particular reason and just and and it's like (laughs) it's what was the design committee for this one but a tradition that you had in the 19th century that gets spoken about in, in the newspapers of the time. So as well as like the really lovely ones and just some odd ones, like if you Google Victorian Valentines, you can see some of the just weird designs. That if someone sent that to you, you'd be like, that's that's odd. That's a root vegetable saying happy Valentine's Day. I don't understand what you're doing. But the other thing they had in the 19th century was a tradition called vinegar Valentines. Oh, vinegar Valentines, which is really weird. And it was this odd tradition of sending an anonymous Valentine's Day to someone and just saying how much you hated them. <sighs> Oh, the shade. Oh, my God. And it's, like, really, really nasty. And, like, the stuff, so it would just be, like, I think that you're really ugly and I think that, you know, you're just disgusting. And it would be, like, ones, I think you can Google those as well, like the vinegar valentine. So it wasn't just, like, um, you know, poison pen letters or anything. So I'm looking at one right now and it says Valentine's greetings and there's um, a heart at the top with the word greed written underneath it. And written on the card is, the card playing maid is the limit. Her mind's on the cards every minute. If she loses the prize, oh, how deeply she sighs, tis awful not to be in it. So it's like this idea that you're past it and you're too old now and that you shouldn't be uh, having Valentine's Day cards anyway. And there's a picture of a kind of a middle-aged lady on it. So the whole thing, and like these are like proper cards that you go to the shop and buy. It's not just like anonymous stuff. So it was just basically you find the worst card that you can and really insult somebody and send them your vinegar Valentine. Oh, they need to bring them back for the Tories. Oh, my God. <laughs> I would be sending those off every five minutes. Oi, Rishi, here's your vinegar valentines. <laughs> what is it? Because your wheelhouse is, is the Victorian era, and, and I love that. But what is it when it comes to, you must have so many people come up to you and go, but weren't the Victorians all repressed? Yeah. What's your favourite way to say, nah, sit down, listen to this? What's your what's your comeback? I love all periods in history, but the Victorians are particularly fascinating for me because there's such a bunch of, crazy bastards like because on one hand like the the idea of being really prudish and repressed and they were there was a lot of pearl clutching and there was a lot of anxiety around sex but on the other hand these are the people that invented the camera and you can imagine how quickly on the heels of that someone went hang on (laughs) i know what we can do with this (laughs) how fast was that and they invented film as well and again like how fast until somebody so they basically invented modern pornography and their erotic literature which you can still access online quite easily is obscene even by today's standards and it was everywhere there were real problems with it so on one hand you've got this really prudish oh i really don't think we should be doing that kind of like exterior to them but on the other hand you have all these new technologies that are emerging that just unleash this absolute tidal wave of porn and smut and and they were also like they were also the people that tried to medicalize sex a lot. And there's there's been a lot of theories as to what the hell was going on. And so the general idea is 
they are not a group of people who aren't obsessed with sex. Mm. Like, even if what they're trying to do is, like, stop people having sex or they're worrying about people having sex, like, they're talking about it all the fucking time. Yeah. All the time. And, like, and if I met you in the pub and I was just like, are you thinking about bananas? I'm not thinking about bananas. Are you thinking about, <laughs> I don't want a banana. Is anyone here having a banana? I'd be like, we're going to get on a fucking campaign. No one is. Like, would you think about me? This is a person who has no problems yeah. with bananas. <laughs> yeah. They were always trying to ban stuff. They were, um, there was something like, I mean, like, now there is today. There's no one narrative around sex. You've got everything from the super sex positive people through to people who think that we should all be put in hell and it's terrible and it's awful. Through to people who have very, very different ideas. It's always been like that all throughout history. There's no one viewpoint, but there is sort of dominant social viewpoints. So in the 19th century, they did lean more publicly facing to sort of more conservative and repressive. But that isn't how sex works. You can't repress it. We've mm. never been able to repress it, which is why no attempt to, for example, abolish sex work has ever mm. worked in history, ever, because it won't work. And you mm. can't abolish porn either because it just people want it and it's there. So you can yeah. try to repress it and you can try to get rid of it, but it just doesn't work. It comes out in weird ways. It comes out <laughs> in Victorians walking around going, absolutely no one must think about sex ever at any point. Are you thinking about sex? Stop, stop thinking about sex. It's like weird. And it's... It, so I love that about them. It's so... Because it makes it so much more kinkier. It makes it more naughty, doesn't it? You've just made it forbidden now. That's all That's all you've done. <laughs> oh, well done. You've made it forbidden. Now everyone's going to want it. Well done. Yeah, great. If we could start, like, taking back control, if we can use history to take back control of Valentine's Day, whether it's, you know, because you think it's too commercial or whether it's just a lot of pressure if you're single, what kind of things can we can we take in and, and remember about it? I, I don't think anyone likes Valentine's Day. I'm quite convinced of it. Because, like, if <laughs> yeah. you're in a couple, like, you feel... When I was ever in a relationship, I feel a certain amount of resentment for this, like... They've got you in a bind, haven't they? Because, like, if, if you don't buy your other half a present, you're a twat. Because then it's like, yeah. you didn't get me a present for Valentine's Day, you horrible horrible bastard but then like when you if you do buy something for someone there's a real sense of like I have to do this I feel, feel yeah. like socially compelled to do it so I never enjoyed that and now being a single person it's just it's kind of wank it's just like I'm just there like white knuckling it till morning just <laughs> <laughs> so you can get the 50% off the chocolate <laughs> that's me yeah. the next day just like hoovering up all the valentine's day chocolates and just <laughs> really shit about it don't you like all this kind of like uh, romance everywhere but not you <laughs> nothing for you <laughs> at least you didn't get a vinegar card though at least you didn't get a vinegar valentine so that would be worse wouldn't it that would be worse but i think we can learn from the old duke of orleans with just like a little card there was a message but it was precious because it was writing yeah. which not a lot of people could do it was card which not a lot of people can afford so it doesn't have to be this big thing but just a little present that is just a little note a little note I, I think that it would be nice as well if like we kind of opened it up to it doesn't have to be somebody that you're having sex with in a romantic love mm. I think you like I'm going to try and do that this Valentine's Day like tell people that I love them when you know just just because I love them I don't think it has to be like a romantic love yeah that's yeah. probably the best thing to say about Valentine's Day I don't think you want to bring back the Lupercalia <laughs> you'd never get the the, the planning permit <laughs> they're trying to ban public protest now imagine like trying to say right so we're gonna just gonna get everyone together everyone's gonna take their kit off yeah sacrifice a goat and a dog and then we're gonna chase you around and whip you on the ass with, with their skin with its skin with so, their skin yeah yeah sort of covered in blood and general but you'd never ever get that fast enough oh, no you'd never you'd never get your deposit back would you no <laughs> so, <laughs> and what made you go into this this is also fascinating but what has made you want to study because you primarily you're a research fellow for sex, uh, sex work in history what made little kate lister go that's it that's the topic i want to do and that is what i'm going to get my doctorate in where where did this all start do you know like my doctorate wasn't actually in sex it was in gender and history and about it was in the, the victorians it was sort of in my postdoc that actually i did what a lot of people doing their phd do like halfway through it, i found something much more interesting 
which is, <laughs> which is studying sex. But, the, but but you can't look at it because now you have finished the fucking thing that you started. I think I've always been fascinated by the history of sex. Maybe I'm just a terrible pervert, but it's one of the, like, the, the things that, that we've all sort of got in common with each other and all throughout history. So it gives you a really unique perspective on it. Mm. So like, if I tell you like weird shit that they did in the past, you have a perspective on it as someone that has sex today. And I think that's what it makes it really a really unique thing to study. Yeah. And also like when you look at the long history of it, if you look at something like the history of sex work and you study it like right back to the first written records, you realize that we're having the same discussions around it. Mm. It's the same shit. It's that they were talking about the same things in ancient Babylon and Mesopotamia. The idea of what do we do about this? Should we zone people? Should we um, empower people? Should we make it illegal? Should we punish people? It's the same shit again and again and again. Wow. And you can see cycles coming through. And that can be really powerful when it's you're looking at modern day issues because you're just like, we've tried this. We need to try something else. You know, mm. so I think that that really appeals to me is looking at the patterns throughout history, but also the fact that it's a real unifying leveler is sex. And you are an incredible pervert, so I... And I am a terrible pervert. And if I just... It's very Victorian to me. I just, like, channel it into my research and just be like, actually, this is for research. <laughs> Do you mind? <laughs> oh, that old is... I'm writing a book. I'm writing a book. <laughs> it's just here for the articles. Yeah. And <laughs> um, what about Whores of Your? When did you start Whores of Your? And how did it become this massive... Because if, for anyone who doesn't know, Whores of Your is a, it's a digital media project, I think you describe it. Yeah, it's, it just started off as a Twitter account when I was I was researching medieval sex work. Mm. And then I'd love to say this was like really well thought out and a really good strategy that I came up with. And it's not. I just thought... Suddenly I thought of Whores of Your. It sounded really funny. Yeah. And, I'll, I'll, and I'll, I was reading about, at the time, I was reading about a woman in the 14th century who'd been arrested in London for selling sex. And she'd given her name as... Clarice Clatterbollock and I just fell about laughing I was like that that it sounds so weirdly modern and like was was that a joke was that her actual alias was that like a stage name and I just thought that's so funny I just want to start tweeting the stuff that I'm doing and I didn't expect it to become a big account I didn't expect any of the following but it did and it grew and grew and then that's kind of what I was known for and then I became more interested in it and now that's kind of that's what I did that's that's what I do and it's got a whole website behind it with research projects and all sorts all sorts books and everything man and one of the things that i love about horse of your is the word of the day so i do have to ask you what is your favorite historical words there's so many there's so many of them uh, my all-time favorite um phrase for cunnilingus is from the 40s and it's impersonating stalin <laughs> which ta- <laughs> when you say that a lot of people it takes a minute for it to land yeah. like you have to think like people had pubic hair back then and stalin <laughs> had like a massive mustache and so like when you're impersonating stalin looking down yeah um i love that one growling at the badger is another one oh. that really makes me laugh sneezing in the cabbage sneezing at the cabbage sneezing in the cabbage that's i think that was 17th century for, for cunnilingus i love that one i think you can learn so much about sexual attitudes from from slang and it also tells us that sex has always been funny like you can find ridiculous jokes for body parts going back as long as we've had language and things to record them you know like um liver lifter for a large penis in the 19th century funny. That's so stupid. That is so stupid. And it's so gross, but it's so brilliant. I think that that is the trifecta. Live a live. Right? That's like that obviously that was a joke. So that's kind of nice. Well that people we've just always loved a dick joke. We just yeah, they're, they're funny. They always have been. I'm also bag seeing that as my bad name. Brilliant. Take it. Absolutely. The liver lift. Yeah, I've got, got all of their albums. <laughs> I've got one question for one question. If you could spend Valentine's Day with anyone in history, who would it be? Oh, there's a fucking question. Um, do you know, I've got such a weakness for shitheads, bad boys. I really do. Like, even today, and even, like, you know, academically, I'd probably have to say Byron. I knew, I knew it. And I can't help myself. It's awful, isn't it? 
And he's like, and all the research that I've got is like, he's an absolute twat, Kate. Like, he's horrible. He's like the worst person who's ever lived. Yeah. But he just, he just could turn out a good verse and, and flounced around Europe trying to get laid in a big shirt. And just there's something in me that's just, just like, but I could save him. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't. You'll get syphilis and then you'll get ghosted and it'll just be, I don't know, like, you seem quite funny. Like, there's, um, <laughs> for some reason, like, loads of women would send them locks of their hair and their pubic hair. And this was, like, saved in an archive for a long time. And I think it's an archive in Scotland, but people were quite embarrassed about it, the pubic hair archives that women sent to Byron. And to respond, because they would ask him for a lock back, and he would cut hair off his dog and send that to them. <laughs> I just think that's really funny. <laughs> so, yeah, so unfortunately, I'd probably end up being really sad and have syphilis if I spent Valentine's Day with Byron. But I just, like, I just need to know. I just want to talk to him. And it's like, what's the fuss about? Yeah. <laughs> Has he got a liver lifter? Just, you know. Has he got a liver lifter? Like, what's, what, is it worth it? Is he mad, bad and dangerous to know? <laughs> We're gonna we 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 need to do a seance and find out. That would be I think I'd I'd go for one of the three Valentines though, just to see. Oh, interesting. Just to tell him, just to be like, this is your legacy. Yeah, yeah. This is look, how do you feel about this? I'll go for the one from Africa, because he doesn't have much written about him. No, and, he doesn't. And we can just, you know, sit down, have a chat, have a cup of tea, and just say That that's a much more sensible one. Definitely. But I'm also quite intrigued to fuck Byron, though. That would... I know, same. Yeah. So you totally would, wouldn't you? And I would as well. I'm probably St. Valentine as well, just to say you, you had. <laughs> just to get the T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Thank you so much, Kate. I know. Oh, thank you so much for coming and chatting to us. I'm just talking absolute bollocks from history. My I pleasure. love it. I love it. If people want to find out more, where can they find you? And uh, do you want to do a quick plug for your podcast as well, please? Uh, for the time being, you can find me on Twitter as Whores of Your, and also my human account is K8 underscore Lister. Similar um, titles over on Instagram. I'm getting my head around TikTok, but I keep having things taken down for being too saucy and um i do talk a lot about history sex bollocks on my podcast betwixt the sheep which is amazing i love it oh cheers mate oh thank you so much dr k lister thank you for having me my thanks to dr kate lister there what a diamond i love her so i really enjoy kate and talking about Valentine's Day. And I know it's silly and I know it doesn't mean anything. But look, we can all learn stuff from history. And I think we can learn from the Duke of Orléans that sometimes all it takes is a little note, just something precious, something that doesn't have to be expensive, but something that you don't do all the time. So maybe that's something you can do for your Valentine. And remember, if you're single, at least you're not getting a vinegar Valentine from those naughty victims. Victorians. And if you want to find out who else has been naughty this week, then let's dive into my fun bags. Last week, I asked you for your V-Day disasters and you came through as ever. So we start with this one on Instagram and she says, I got a Valentine's Day card that read to Rachel. Can't wait for our saucy weekend together. Uh, and then she adds, but my name's not Rachel. Oh, <laughs> someone got caught out. Uh, this one came from email, a bit longer, but I thought, yeah, this one's worth it. Uh, V-Day disaster. The day after Valentine's 2019, I went for drinks on the Friday. Loads of us single, all of us drinking too much because we just didn't know what the fuck was going on with COVID. I remember that. Oh, 
Anyway, one of the girls gets some party favours out. <laughs> I know what you mean, Anonymous. And we end up in the corner of the club, snogging like our lives depend on it. She goes to the toilet. I get more drinks. She comes back with a couple she met somewhere between our gang of repressed accountants and the bog. She declares that we should have a foursome. I'm drunk horny and feeling slightly by curious in the face of certain death. Why not? <laughs> we pile in the Uber back to hers, lips, tongues, hands everywhere, I presume, because I had to sit in the front because I get car sick. Oh no. When we get there, I'm determined to make it up to the gorgeous threesome, so whilst everyone is about to start squirming on the bed, I declare I'm just going to the bathroom and then you're going to see fireworks. Miranda, there were no fireworks. More like a flaccid sparkler after the light's gone out. <laughs> Oh, no. Oh, I know exactly. That has painted such a vivid picture. Thank you, Anonymous. I think I'm the only person delighted that the pandemic hit. I only had two weeks of trying to avoid my co-worker before it was all Zoom calls from home. But every time someone sends me the firework emoji, I can't help but wonder if she told them about my brave declaration that has haunted me for three years solid. Really hoping my confession has helped leave it in the past. <sighs> Anonymous, I hope for your sake that it has. You should never set up expectations like that. Don't tell anyone they're going to see fireworks and then come in with a flaccid semi. <laughs> oh, my God. I want to hear more. I want to hear your sexy stories, saucy encounters. Maybe you want to be a guest and chat about your own sexpert topic. Get in touch. Do you command a kink? Have you got favourite fetish? We want to hear from makers, shakers, practitioners... Just call me. You can slide into my DMs. Look out for Miranda Kane on Twitter, TikTok and Instagram or email smutdrop at metro.co.uk. I've been Miranda Kane. Smutdrop was produced by Pineapple Audio Production for metro.co.uk. And if you're enjoying this weekly squirt of juicy nuggets in your ears, then please leave me a nice review. In the meantime, I'll be back to prick up your ears next week. And remember, don't do anything I wouldn't do. But if you do, name it after me. 